The Rick Jensen Show. 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL, and WDEL.com. A lot of you have questions about the vaccine because so much is being learned and then reported upon this. That's why I love to have Dr. Sandra Gibney on the phone. 302-529-1017. Talk and text. If you have a question, she loves to take your calls. Sandra, thanks for being on. Hi, Rick. How are you? Here I am. Yeah, I know. Look, we've, uh, we, we've, I don't know, we're learning more, I say we, but scientists are, are learning more and more uh, about what is and is not effective in uh, keeping yourself healthy and not getting the vac- not getting the, uh, the COVID or, you know, what you should take when you get it. And uh, I know vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, they've all been discussed as well. What have you learned uh, currently about these things? Yeah, so anecdotally, we felt that in other viral illness uh Zinc in the form of zinc gluconate like Zycam may have uh, helped us to stop viral replication. And um, so we used to recommend people try that. Um, and um, so the first clinical study, uh, clinical trial that came out of the Cleveland Clinic um, was recently published in, in a JAMA, which is a learned journal, that they, they had a small number of people, only 214 patients, but they found that over-the-counter zinc gluconate and vitamin C um, really didn't change or make any decline in the symptom duration. Now, these were people that were not hospitalized. They weren't terribly sick, and there was only a small number of people in the study. But, um, you know, just some evidence that maybe zinc and vitamin C is, is not going to be um, a really great recommendation for everyone. However, I will say that this is all about your immune system. Everything that happens with COVID is about what your immune system does. And we do know that from way back, Linus Pauling looked at high doses of vitamin C and how it might affect the immune system. And uh, so I still think it's really, really important. I tell every patient that I discovered that has COVID that your best bet is going to be to take care of your immune system because it will take care of you. So, you know, lots of fluids, virus, love dehydrated people, um, lots of rest, you know, because we don't want the immune system to have anything that compromises it. And quite frankly, vitamin D has been found, if low, to be repleted helpful. But I still recommend that people take a multivitamin every day. I don't think that's a bad thing to do. We all eat uh, diets that maybe aren't as varied. Um, and so just one study out there. But again, we're, we're learning more as we go along. Yeah, I would notice that uh, there's even a resolution in Congress uh Let's see, I think a Republican out of Wisconsin said, we're going to have a House resolution. They do this just to recognize things, hoping that there will be press coverage because they've learned some things and they think it's a big deal, and perhaps it is. Well, it worked with me. I mean, I saw this resolution, and, uh, and they, they want to uh, have a resolution, uh, a resolution rather that um, recognizes the, the role of vitamin D in the fight against COVID-19. Northwestern University, University of Chicago, and Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, all report there's a strong correlation between vitamin D deficiencies and negative COVID-19 patient outcomes, like severe symptoms, hospital stays, things like that. And they say you need to amp up, increase your vitamin D, and it can be helpful. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and, and as always, you're right on spot there with that. And uh, at this time of year, vitamin D is unactivated, and the rest of us, you know, or here like moles hanging out in our houses because we're trying to stay away from other people and there's not a lot of sunlight at this time of year. 
And so vitamin D um, requires sunlight to activate it. It's another form of way of we, our body absorbs vitamin D. So, you know, there's probably no harm in taking um, what would be standard recommending dosage, 600, 800 international units of vitamin D. Um, again, because we're not getting out in sunlight to activate our, you know, vitamin D in our body. So things like uh, dairy, dairy products are high in vitamin D. Usually when something has vitamin um, D in it, it's usually milk or cheese or dairy products. Um, but, but in short of that, um, you know, if taking a, a supplement every day with vitamin D. And again, it's not superhuman doses. We're, we're looking at the fact that people that were deficient mm-hmm. um, fared worse. So super doses, like don't go out there. It's a fat-soluble volume of vitamins, so we don't want people to, you know, overdose on it because it will be stored in your fat stores for long periods of time, and that could build up to toxic levels. So, But, but if deficient... That could be a problem. So, you know, we don't want to go hog wild, basically a multivitamin containing vitamin D, or if you take vitamin D, a, a usual standard dose, you know, around six, 800 international units a day. Uh, if you just tune in, it's Dr. Sandra Gibney. She's in constant contact with the CDC, has been a leader in uh, fighting uh, coronavirus and COVID uh, here in Delaware as well. There are a lot of questions also about migraine therapy with Botox and uh, and some other treatments. And people are worried that, well, maybe the vaccine can interfere with that or something. What have you learned so far about that? Yeah, so there's um, three approved medications. One's called Amovig, Ajovi, and Amgality. And folks may have seen some commercials on TV for those migraine treatments. And they're, they're really quite effective. And they work on this unique protein, which is called CGRP, which is a calcitonin gene-related peptide. This little bugger, this little peptide causes profuse vasodilatation and an inflammatory response. And we know that people that suffer from migraines often have a dilated blood vessel in their brain that causes their brain to get kind of squashed and they get a headache. So um, there's there's definitely a role with the CGRP um, when people get migraine headaches. So Amavig, Amgality, these are medications that are based upon blocking that CGRP, that peptide. It's a monoclonal antibody for that um, to, to basically antagonize or sit on that receptor. Um, and people are concerned that, um, that the immune response that we were going to get to the spike protein found in the vaccine might in some way kind of neutralize um, that particular antibody that's in that Amovig or Botox for, for that matter. Um, but, but studies have shown, and, and we're looking at that the antibodies to, to SARS-CoV-2 are not going to neutralize those other antibodies that we use for migraine treatment. It's a lock and key kind of thing. So when we make a specific antibody, it fits into a specific lock. And other keys won't fit another lock, right? So the antibody that we make for um, for SARS-CoV-2, that spike antibody will not fit in a lock that belongs to the CGRP antibody. Um, and we also know Botox is similar um, in that. So, so people need not worry about, about stopping their migraine treatment or not, you know, withholding it for fear that maybe the vaccine antibodies would neutralize their antibody uh, medication. But 
Um, so no worry on that because a lot of people suffer with migraines. Yeah, you know, no, I get crazy, that. And crazy. by the way, and, and I, I know that um, people are getting headaches, especially after the second vaccination. But yeah. uh, but there's cautions against using acetaminophen or ibuprofen within like what 24 hours after getting your second shot. What what is the guidance on that? So it's more before. Um, because we, we really want the immune system to recognize a foreigner. We really want to get that robust immune response, which involves cytokines, the prostaglandin, leukotrienes, all these like little characters that come out when we see some foreign invader come into the body. And um, we do know that, um, you know, things like Aleve, aspirin, ibuprofen, they um, are anti-prostaglandins. They inhibit something called cytokines. Uh, oxygenase and so we ask people be you know about one day before the vaccine to not be taking those uh, medications um, because it may again anecdotally blunt their response to the vaccine and we don't want that we want the arm to be sore we want you to feel a little bit bad we want to wake up your immune system so those medications kind of put a little damp or tamper on the immune response to certain things, which is good if you've got joint pain and it's good if you have some inflammation, but not so good if you're trying to aggressively wake up the immune system to get a robust response. Now, after the vaccine, we really don't care because we've already gotten that immune response. So we tell people, you know, for one day before you get the vaccine, perhaps don't don't hit the anti-inflammatory medications. But after the vaccine, you're fine because you've already gotten what we want out of it. And quite frankly, people are developing an immune response within two hours. Uh, This is anecdotal. Yeah, so this is anecdotal. But um, many people have told me, and we've been vaccinating quite a few people now, um, and many people tell me, oh, my God, my arm was sore in two hours. I went home, and within two hours – I felt something like, yeah, that's how quick it works. Imagine if you got stung by a bee and you have a problem with bee allergies. It doesn't take a day. It doesn't take sometimes two hours. It might take 20 seconds before you start swelling up. That's how quickly the immune uh, system That's a good analogy. Appreciate that. It's Dr. Sandra Gibney with vaccine questions, and she has answers, 302-529-1017. Let's get right to Alex in Newcastle. Alex, what's your question for Dr. Gibney? Hey, good afternoon, my friend. How did that alternator with the generator thing work out? From oh, <laughs> yeah. He gave me an idea for make a homemade generator. I have not done it. I haven't tried, but thank you. Uh, no, what's your question for Dr. Gibney? Well, I, I've, been, I've been working with a lot of people that have gotten COVID, and I wanted to ask you, um, I take this superfood called Irish CMOS. I prepare it. And I take a tablespoon to two tablespoons per day with a juice or something by itself. And it's raised my alkalinity level to like nine or maybe ten uh, levels on the, on the pH scale. Um, does that prevent me from getting COVID by having a high alkali body? Oh, wow, that's a question. You know, um, I'm going to tell you... <clears throat> that there's a lot of home remedies and a lot of people do things to booster their immune system. Nothing's really been shown yet whether or not the pH of the body um, will change viral adherence or infectivity. I do know this, that the body works really, really, really hard to maintain a neutral pH. We do things by excreting carbon, um, carbon monoxide. We do things like um, 
uh, excreting bicarbonate, uh, withholding uh, hydrogen ions to keep a, the body needs to have a very neutral pH. It works best. That's how the nerves and the cells operate best. However, um, you know, I don't really have enough to tell you about this Irish semis that you're, you're talking about, Alex, but, um, it, you know, if it boosters your immune system and makes you more healthy, then who knows? Um, but uh, I, I really don't, I really haven't heard anything about that. Um, but you yeah, know what, I'm it's really called interested. C, it's called, it's CMOS, has potassium chloride, and uh, other than that, I don't know anything really uh, about it. Oh, so it's so, got potassium chloride. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Alex. Uh, thank you. Yeah, if it doesn't hurt you, it's not it's not bad for you. I, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to prevent you catching COVID. Yeah. I want to get to so. uh, Bob three zero two five two nine one zero seven. Bob, say hi to Doctor Gibney. Hi, Doctor Gibney. How are you? Hi, Bob. Uh, listen, I have a, a, a question. Uh, I have a uh, telephone number uh, to register uh, to get the vaccine. Out of the uh, news journal, and uh, I've been waiting about two months. Uh, appointment. The, the phone number to get an appointment. Yeah, uh, not and, online. Uh, so far, I haven't heard anybody. Okay, well, uh, hang on for a second, and I don't know how much uh, Doctor Gibney really knows about signing up because I know online you go coronavirus.delaware.gov and it goes to the CDC, and they actually, uh, I think, perform the scheduling and such. But uh, Sandra, what what can you say yeah. about using the phone number? Yeah, so, you know, ideally, and not everyone has access to the Internet, but as far as the COVID no, I vaccine... Don't have a, uh, no, I don't have access to the Internet. I don't have an yeah. inter, uh, a computer at all. Yeah, so my best recommendation in this day and age, quite frankly, and I'm, uh, you know, Bob, and we are running into this, is that some folks can't get to the library, can't get to a neighbor, can't talk to somebody who can get them in but the website seems to be the rapidest way to be able to get an appointment um so i would encourage you going that way because there's just so little resources to answer phones um and they may not get back to you but de.gov backslash covid vaccine um will get you to where you want to go as far as getting scheduled and if you're over 65 you know you're qualifying right now and you know so uh, if you can Anyway, beg, borrow, and steal access to the Internet from your neighbor or at the library or one of the community centers and get on there with de.gov backslash COVID vaccine. We can get you. And I'm sure, I'm sure, Rick, if you separately, well, we could get you know, There's a lot of people who are frustrated can because they can't, get, yeah, they can't get into the library. Libraries are, are not open. So it's a, that's a very, that's frustrating for a lot of people so he as come, well. He can come to your yeah. house, right, Rick? Can you come here? <laughs> I don't think I don't think I have the bandwidth for that. Thanks, Sandy. Oh, come on. I don't think, yeah, I don't Lori the won't bandwidth. mind. Will she? Uh, I will say this though: a lot of people are having success by refreshing. So you go online to a couple different sites, and, mm-hmm. and then you re- refresh your browser, refresh your browser. Uh, oh, for some it changes reason, every minute. No, that, it changes every helping. minute. Yeah, like yeah. I said, it's helping some people. Henry, uh, let's get to Henry three zero two five two nine one zero one seven. Henry, say hi to uh, Doctor Gibney. Hi, doctor. Uh, Yes, I had the virus back in December, and I noticed uh, I noticed when I was taking the vitamin D and the zinc that uh, the arthritic uh, knee and hip pain disappeared. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I don't know whether it had to do with the supplements or maybe something was going on with my body that actually eliminated uh, the problems with those particular joints. But. 
But last week they came back with a vengeance. <laughs> How about that? So I, yeah, I mean, vitamin yeah. D, if you were taking doses of vitamin D, we know it's kind of a cousin for um, the body absorbing um, vitamin C, or excuse me, uh, calcium. And um, it's calcium and vitamin D that really restore your joints. That those cartilage yeah. and the chondrocytes in the joints really respond, you know, to uh, calcium and vitamin D. Um, you know, some people take uh, chondroitin sulfate or glucosamine as joint um, uh, yeah. medications because it works on the cartilage in the knee and other joints. So I think yeah. there may be something to what you say, Henry, about the vitamin D. It yeah. may have actually yeah. improved that, your that, calcium that levels. Might, that might that might be something to research a little bit to see if maybe yeah. something some along, something along that line. I mentioned it to my orthopedic surgeon, and mm-hmm. uh, he just. You know, he wasn't into research, but uh, I did mention <laughs> to, to my cancer specialist hematologist, and he said they'll, they'll check into that because there's a lot of stuff coming out from people that have had the virus, and uh, it's strange, you know. <laughs> it is. Yeah, well, we're it's... learning a lot more of this stuff. Henry, appreciate the call. Uh, thanks. Uh, Senator, you want, you want to address that one more time? Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of medications also that have anti-inflammatory effect which are secondary to what the medication is used for. We know like the diuretic Lasix is actually has an anti-inflammatory effect, colchicine as well used for gout. Um, but I, I wonder whether or not uh, Henry has something going on there with the vitamin D levels supporting his calcium absorption, and that may have something effect with his chondrocytes. But interesting point. But again, you know, certain things are anti-inflammatory. We don't even know that they are. Last question. That's Dr. Gibney. We're talking about, vaccines and and your questions um i want to get you on monday as well if you got some time because there's a lot more that we'd like to discuss but don't have time and that is this though the last question um people are talking about well, what what if i get like my first shots pfizer my first shots moderna and can you get the second shot being uh the johnson johnson or, or something else or must the second shot be by the same maker Okay, I'm going to squeeze this in real quick. One, my, my point here is going to be really important about make sure you, if you get the first dose that you get your second dose. In, incomplete immune um, response can happen if you only get one dose. So we want to make sure that people get a second dose. It's really important. That first dose primes the immune system. The second dose really hones it in. Um, and so... Um, there are some studies out now in UK where they're going to mix and match the vaccine strategy in in um, United States and specifically in Delaware. If you got Pfizer, you get Pfizer. If you get Moderna, you get Moderna. It's important to follow the protocol. However, having said that, the two vaccines, some of them use adenovirus vectors like AZ, uh, AstraZeneca, and Johnson Johnson, and Pfizer and Moderna use the messenger RNA. So in UK, they are doing a mix and match with with the AstraZeneca uh, vector, adenovirus vector, and Pfizer. So what's going to happen? They're going to have 820 participants. Two are going to get the same dose of the same, or get the same vaccine, and then the others, the the other half are going to get two different vaccines. And we're, we're going to look and see whether or not there's a change in what the immune system does using two different types of vaccines. One using messenger and RNA, the other one using a viral vector. They also are going to look at a four-week versus 12-week duration for the second dose. 
because we don't really know exactly how that's going to affect whether we get it on schedule at four and what happens if we get it in 12 weeks. So, um, so yes, there is stuff looking at that. And, um, and, and so I, I think there's a and lot you'll keep more us that we informed. wanted to unpack. Yeah, yeah. no, no, that's fine. Yeah. You'll keep us informed. I, I, I always appreciate having you on. And, of course, we'll podcast this because, like you said, there's a lot to unpack, Dr. Sandra Gibney. Hopefully we can get you on Monday as well. Thank you, you so much. It. Have a great weekend. We'll be back after this. All right. You too. There's more Rick Jensen coming up on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL.